0: There's things all around us that are happening. I've watched ministers, I've counseled pastors and counseled leaders over and over again, uh, people in their own marriages and their own ministries and their own lives. And, and I just, no one in this room is perfect, but we have to go after the perfection of who Jesus Christ was. We have to go after, because this is perfect truth. I know the world wants to teach us in science there is no absolute truth. Well, let me just show you that science doesn't know this is truly absolute truth. There is absolute truth. And that's what we have to teach and preach. We also want to live examples and, 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 and a lifestyle that is uh, celebrating a testimony of who Jesus Christ is in us. And even as I was praying last night and and earlier this week about, Lord, what should I share? We just finished nine messages on the Beatitudes, the nine Beatitudes. And, uh, you know, it it got me into the word thinking on another level. God was revealing things. I'm in the word a lot. But, you know, when when you go back in something you've already studied, you feel you already know, and you read it with an open heart again, and God says something even deeper in that revelation of the word that he gave you before... And so usually I preach the nine Beatitudes in one Sunday service. This time it took me nine services to do nine Beatitudes. There's a reason, I believe, because uh, little did we all know that things were heating up around us in such levels and aspects. I mean, we all know the world is shifting and changing, and obviously there's an onslaught against the freedom of truth speech. Does that make sense? There's an onslaught against freedom of speech, unless you're not speaking truth of the word, and then it seems you have freedom to share what you want. But as soon as you feel you have the freedom to share on Jesus Christ or the word of God, then all of a sudden there's a battle and a war raging against you for people that really believe in an antichrist movement against the church. Does this make sense? Uh, What I'm trying to say is that both North America, uh, sorry, uh, United States and Canada, North America, we're really struggling in our political state. We're really struggling with, I believe what's killing so much of of our two countries is political correctness. Because if you watch what's going south of the border, the only political correctness there is, is if you're far left. But if you're actually right, far right in in the biblical word of God, you actually don't have the freedom to just declare your political stances in the word. Does that make sense? Uh... And that's something that's changed in my 55 years on this earth. We, we, we've never, I've never in my history of my life seen such an onslaught against Christianity. It's hotter now than I believe ever before, even though the wars have been ever since Christ died on that cross and rose again. The war goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Adam and Eve. But I look at it, and I really believe some prophetic words that came forth in the last few years very strongly from my mouth, but definitely from some, some other ministers of the gospel, is that hidden sins are going to find you out. And it's happening. You might even hear in the next couple weeks or month of, of another minister that's, that's imploding, that needs to, to come back into alignment with the pureness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, you can preach the gospel, and the gospel will never come back void, but what you need to make sure is that you're actually living the life of testimony of the pureness of what you're preaching. And so many ministers of the gospel have started to lose the fact and the understanding as to why they're preaching the word of God. Because lack of identity comes in and your identity starts to focus on your gifting and your gift mix instead of it being focused back into the word and following the ways of the new covenant that Jesus Christ opened for us. And so you might hear something here in the next little bit. I'm very aware of something that's going on right now. And I want to tell you what, this ministry and this church, we stand on righteousness. We stand on justice, but we stand on the word of God, knowing ultimately our heart is about forgiveness and restoration. It doesn't matter what sin you've done or will do in the future. What matters is your past is finished. You can't change it, but Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, so you and I could walk in the forgiveness and restoration of what a true born-again believer needs to live a lifestyle like. We're not called to live on the edge of sin with a little sin in our life. We're called to live in purity with no sin in our life. And you say, well, how can we live with no sin in your life? Well, that's the wrong attitude to have. Because if if we start to say, um, I'll never be able to stop speeding, I guarantee you, you won't stop speeding. If you say and you believe that I'll never have a good marriage, I guarantee you, your marriage will not be good. If you say that that I am never going to sin ever again in my life, you're actually going to be called a liar in some scriptures that I gave to you. Chances are you and I will sin. It could be a fleeting thought. But I'm after a lifestyle of purity, so my sin becomes less and he becomes more in my life, my life and our ministry and what we're called into. And you know, it's hard sometimes when you have a child or, or you know someone or you're connected to someone, uh, it's not always easy to, to, to bring discipline or, or uh, you know, inquire of correction in their life because a lot of people, how many people, just don't put your hands up, really truly love the pain of discipline? We don't. But the reason there has to be pain and discipline is so we actually know it's going to hurt me more in the long run than if I just quit doing the wrongs. Because there are consequences to our actions. And there's consequences to our reactions as well, too. And we need to make sure, Kevin mentioned, we're like a dam, you know, uh, with all of God's glory, all his presence behind us. And, And it reminds me, you know, in Psalms 24, where it talks about... Oh, you heavenly gates, you open doors, Your heavenly doors, you open gates. We are everlasting doors. We are open gates to the heavens. There is something inside of us that God has given to us that if our testimony is on fire for him, we become an open door of his presence and of his glory. And automatically, we don't want to walk down the path of risk, not risk on the border of sin, risk for the gospel. Absolutely. That's called faith. But the risk for, on the border of sin is called stupidity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I can get away with it a little bit. You know what? If you build your relationship with God on what you can get away with, you're building the wrong relationship. You don't have a true relationship with God. It's not on what you can get away with. It's on what you don't want to do because you want more of him. It's a transition of our mindsets. Because robbers get away with stealing one time, they start to get away with two times. They start, now they become a habitual robber. Where if they had gotten caught and their hands had been cut off or something, or tied behind their back and never let go, they'd stop robbing. I'm not. I'm not saying cut the robber's hands off. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if something drastic, so drastic happened in the person's life when they first started doing it, they might have been like a three-year-old getting spanked on the rear end or getting, getting, heaven forbid, his PlayStation taken away from him. Most kids think that's worse than a spanking. Dad, I'll take the spanking. Just don't take my PlayStation away. Or my iPad, or or dad, just don't take the iPhone away. I mean, they're learning this at three, four, and five years old. They'd rather have pain than take the crazy crazy. electronics away. So find out what it is that's going to hurt the child the most. Listen, not abuse. That's going to create the kid to figure out most what's most important in his life. Just take that away for a while. That's the best discipline you can have. And in, uh, in robbers or bad people, it's called prison. Except for the Canadian penal system. they are quite nice rooms in there. We should do prison more like Africa, South Africa, or, or South America, or Russia even. I mean, we might not have people smashing a window just so they can have a hot meal. Sorry. I just, because it goes back to when I was a teenager and... A homeless guy on the street and, and he literally smashed the window of the theater on Mission Street in front of me. I was literally walking by and he smashed it. I said, what did you do that for? He says, I'm cold and I need a hot meal. I'm like, what? <laughs> this isn't right. I feel sorry for you as a homeless person. If you wouldn't have smashed the window, I would have helped you. But now you need to go spend the night in jail. What I'm trying to say is People will come and people will go. Men and women will rise up and men and women might fall. But this book right here will never fail you. It will never fall. People in history have tried to wipe it out, destroy it by burning it. It can't be done. It can't be done. And this truth right here sets us all free. Is Gavin in the room? Gavin, is he here? just stand up, Gavin. Actually, come on up front here real quick. Gavin's just off on a trip. I think this might be his last Sunday for for a trip. He's off to Israel. And you know what? Israel is being attacked. Israel has always been attacked. And Sharon and I were just in Israel in March. And just amazing to watch. And there's a lot of things that go on about Israel. Right now, there's anti-Semitism that's hammering out of the political forces, especially in America as well, too. Some of the, the left, the liberal side, that literally are anti-Semitic. If you don't know what that is, it means anti-Jewish. And they're literally publicly as voicing it. Now, they're going to hammer the daylights out of you if you think poorly of another false religion or something like that. But they have no problem speaking poorly against Israel. And I I just want you to know, God is the God of us all. And there's a lot of Jewish people that really need Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Jewish people. Most Jews, uh, foundational, fundamental Jews, are still waiting for the Messiah. There's a lot of Messianic Jews and a lot of born-again Christian Jews that have received Jesus Christ as, as their Messiah, And so we need to really pray for Israel. I'm praying that Gavin from this house is going over there with an amazing group that's bringing awareness to to the plight of Israel. I'll tell you what, I've been in 47 countries and Israel is getting hammered on all sides. I, I, we had more missiles and bombs flying off, off the Gaza, uh, Gaza Strip into Israel. One landed about five to eight miles from our, from our hotel. And I tell you, this is every day what these guys, what this, this country goes through. And I don't care what country you're from, if you're from Africa, you're from India, you're from South America, you're from Canada, you're from uh, America, you're from any of the countries of this world. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, and you need to have a relationship with him. So I'm going to, let's just put our hands out to Gavin as he goes. Father, we just pray, Father, that this son of the house, Gavin, Lord God, that the, the, the desire in his heart to bring truth and to bring truth as he walks even into Israel. I pray an awareness to the people of, of North and South North America, Canada, and the United States of the awareness of, of what the, the Jewish people are going through. I pray, Lord God, for the Jewish people. We pray for Israel, Lord God. I pray for strong borders, Lord God, that no country should be invaded. But it's amazing the amount that want to invade that one country. They, that, Father, you, this is the apples of your eye, Lord God. And I just pray, Father, that you will protect Gavin as he goes, that there will be open doors for the group that he's traveling with. Gavin's going to see such amazing things of the Word of God come to life uh, in his life. He's going to stand on holy ground in places where Christ stood and the disciples. I pray, Lord God, though, as well, that there will be brought an awareness of the need that we pray for Israel. We pray for all people's Jews and all peoples of this world, Lord God, that truth will become real in their lives and the light of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection will come to light in the Jews, in the the people of this world, we pray, Lord God. And I know, Lord God, there's amazing Christian Jews, Father, that have such a passion in their heart. I met with pastors while we were over there that have such a passion, Lord God, to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ into Israel. I pray, Lord God for the protection of the sovereignty of Israel. I pray for the protection and the sovereignty of Canada, the protection and the sovereignty of the United States of America and the countries of this world. We pray and bless Gavin as he goes into all the world. Let him be the preacher of the gospel in Jesus' name. The preacher of the gospel in Jesus' name. And all the people said? Amen. 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 Woo! Be sent. Hallelujah. Okay. I was praying again about what to share. God's everlasting love makes us more than conquerors. Romans 8:31. Let's turn to Romans 8, verse 31. The I'm running out of the New King James Version. It's that this, this next group of verses are slated as God's everlasting love. The NIV says more than conquerors because of the last voice. I love it because the diversity of the translations. Um, you look at this and it says, God's everlasting love more than conquerors is translated by the NIV. I look at this and I say, yeah, it all adds up. It's God's everlasting love that makes us more than conquerors. It's his everlasting. If you don't have his everlasting love in you, you're not a conqueror. You could actually be a successful business person, you could be a successful sports star, but if you don't have Jesus Christ, and his love purity in you, then you're not more of a conqueror. You're just doing really good on your earthly life. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these thoughts, these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How many of you love this verse? How many of you have used this verse practically in your life? If God is for us, who us? can be against us. What basically this verse is telling us, it's not an option, it's actually a truth. The only option is, is God for you? If you believe God is for you, then nothing can come, it can come against you, but will not have a stronghold of victory in it. You can have the attack of the enemy around you, but when God is for us, the stronghold will not be able to stand. I always like the example of a, of a massive shield protecting us. And here comes a stronghold, an arrow from the enemy's camp. Bing! And it just falls to the ground. Bing, bing, bing. The enemy's going to try to get in. But if God is for us, who can come against us? The implication is nothing can come against us. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So if you believe that God is for us, I tell you what, you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to truly grasp the understanding of truly believing. You, there's many people that believe in God, but they actually don't believe in God. They, they think there is a God. Believing is gnosko, And it implies that there's a knowing relationship with him. That's why believe on me and you shall be saved. What he's saying is if you have a relationship with me, you're going to live in salvation. You see, just to human uh, Canadian English know God, a pretty much majority of the people on this planet know of a God. And then you say, well, what about an atheist? You know, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to actually believe in the word of God. It takes more faith that we came from nothing than it does to believe we were created. Most atheists have had a bad relationship with a religious group, and they've chosen to become atheists. That's usually how it goes in the people I talk with. And I've had many atheists approach me, and they always want to say the same stuff. You know, I don't believe in your God. There is no real God. And so I thank the Lord for some prophetic gifts. And oh, I remember one, one man, he came to me, an atheist, and he started going off on this. And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, you were really hurt at 12 years old, weren't you? You know, when your dad did some things against you, and he was a minister of the gospel, a preacher of the church, and he did those things that were wrong, absolutely wrong, it made you turn against God because you hated anything to do with a preacher, Because I know that every creature born, every human being born has a faith structure built into them. I have my dad founded the Mayaruna tribe in the middle of the Amazon jungles. They were a totally unreached people group. And Chief Taditi and all of those Mayarunas, head shrinkers, they were had never had outside contact of the world any anywhere, ever in their lives. But they all believed in something. The moon they worshipped, the, the boa constrictor they worshipped, the, uh, the jaguar they worshipped. They, ha- they knew evil spirits were around, so when their little babies just born, they had strings tied around their ankles and their wrists so evil spirits wouldn't come in from the ground or from their hands. Guys, these are people that have no outside civilizational contact whatsoever. And so I've seen with my own eyes Everybody believes in something. They truly do. That's, so that's my take on atheism. If you're an atheist, I hope you are come to the right place to get set free. Amen? Praise God. If you have a problem, just send the emails to Kevin. <laughs> Verse 32 again. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. So what he's saying, this God who should have saved his only son chose not... To, to rescue his only son, but instead freely gave him to us. How shall he, this God and this son, not with him also freely give us all things? That word give in the end of verse 32 is charizomai. What it means is to grant as a favor. It means graciously in kindness pardon you and rescue you to deliver you, which means to forgive you. Because God knows to be delivered, you need forgiveness. Forgive, at twenty. that word, charizomai, uh, it's 23 times in the Scriptures. Forgive, it means 11 times. To give freely, it's two times. To deliver is two. To grant is one. And to frankly just forgive you is one as well. This statement, it actually becomes a reality when we look at Scripture that he hasn't just uh, given you something freely. He's actually made a covenant and a commitment behind the word cherizomai. And he's made a covenant to say, I have already forgiven you. When my son rose from the grave, when he died on that cross, your sins were washed away. When he rose from the grave, you have the option of eternal life with him. But you see, it's not about how you act For that forgiveness. It's about the forgiveness no matter how you act. Forgiveness is already established for you and I, both past, present, and future. We have already been forgiven by God. It doesn't give us the option to go out and continue in sin as we're gonna read about here in a bit, but already your sins have been forgiven. It's not a question, this is a true statement. Verse 33, let's look at that, verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Jesus carried every sin and killed the consequences of sin on the cross. Every sin was taken to the cross, killed on that cross. If Jesus hadn't risen, you and I wouldn't have the option of the salvation and freedom. But because he rose from the grave three days later, every sin was killed and every bondage connected to that sin was released by giving us a relationship option to the Father through Jesus. Verse 34, who is it who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. There is no sin in God's book against his people. You know, we look at the Old Testament and we see what transpires many, many times in the Old Testament and we think, oh my goodness, you know, he wiped out all of Nineveh, but he actually tried to spare his people and he did spare his people. He he told Lot, here he's he's crying out, God, if there's 50, would you spare it? Yes. If there's 10, would you spare it? Yes. There wasn't even that in the whole city. And he said, whatever you do, when you leave and run from that city, don't turn around and look back. How many of us know the story? And again, disobedience by Lot's wife turned her to a pillar of salt through disobedience. So there are actions and consequences to disobedience. Absolutely. But as this scripture continues to show, watch where I'm going with this. When the guilt of sin was taken away, the punishment of sin was removed. That's what happened on the cross and resurrection. So you and I aren't to live in the guilt of past sins. If we live in the guilt of it, we're constantly in the remembrance of it, and we truly haven't believed in true forgiveness. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, our sins were forgiven, and the memories of the sins are buried in the deepest of oceans to not be, it's called the sea of no remembrance, not to be remembered again. So if God's no longer remembering your past sins, who is? Who is? You see, God has a level of understanding of true forgiveness that forgiveness means, man, I forgive you, honey, you know, my wife, I forgive you, or, or you forgive me. But if I continually do the same problem over and over again, I actually don't understand forgiveness in my own life. When someone approaches me and asks for forgiveness, my duty as a believer is to forgive them and not remember it. But if it becomes a perpetual, continual sin in their life, then my duty has changed and transformed in from a leadership perspective, a pastoral perspective. My duty is to actually approach you and try to help you to change the pattern that's devastating your life. But how many people like to be approached by their pastor on a sin issue in their life? I didn't see one hand, but that's good. No, you guys are all scared to raise your hand, but... Because the reality is, is none of us love being disciplined. But you know what we're getting in our so many churches. I am all about love and grace. I, I, God has allowed my grace tank to be so filled and overflowing that it doesn't matter what you've done to me. If you ask for forgiveness, it's done. I still love you as a brother. But I, I'm watching what's happening in the churches and so many churches where they're, they're preaching big fluffy messages and you come in maybe a little savage, you go out happy, happy, happy. And people love happy, happy, happy. And there's some of the largest churches you know, in North America is a happy preacher church. Because no one likes to come, wake up on a Sunday morning, come into a gathering of people to have the Holy Spirit open up their hearts to the pain of... Uh-oh, is he preaching at me? You know how many times I get people telling me? Man, you are preaching right at me. When you said this, I'm thinking, actually, I never said that. I wouldn't One, I wouldn't say it like that. But you know what? Praise God. Holy Spirit speaking. Speaking. I'm not going to have a fluffy preach. Happy, fluffy. Ooh, it's all good, it's all good. Just keep doing what you're doing, you're all good. Well, if you're doing good, keep doing what you're doing. But don't even stay with just what you're doing, increase in good. And do bigger and better. But if you're doing wrong, I'm not going to stand up here and say, keep going with what you're doing. I'm going to look at you and say, hey, reality, we got to look at this. God's calling us to become stronger in Him, greater in Him. And If you keep holding on to hidden sin, let me tell you, there is no hidden sin. One, the devil does not hide from sin. So any sin we do willfully or voluntarily or sin in our life, I guarantee you the devil's attracted to it immediately. Well, the devil made me do it. Well, no, that's because your free will was given to him. The devil can't make you do anything. God can't even make you do anything. He gave us a free will for a reason. So we would freely choose him. We would freely receive. We would freely give. People get so offended at offerings. Oh, we're freely receiving and we're freely giving. I don't get offended at it. I actually love it. When the guilt of sin was taken away, the punishment of sin was removed. But willful sin is a different thing. Willful sin that is not confessed is a different story. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not with us. You understand my my statement a few minutes ago. So let's go back to verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the very first verse... I'm sorry, very first word in verse 9 is the most critical and crucial part of all of this. What's that word? If. What's that word? Let's put it up. 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess, if we confess, if we confess. You know, how many people forget the word if? And many, many live life without confession or they live sin without confession. I'm not talking about confessing to me or a priest. I'm talking about confessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about confessing to God. But if a sin keeps coming up in your life, then I encourage you, find help, find some counsel, find some accountability. Because it truly does dictate your future. And how big of a home are you going to have? Or how small of a home? I'm talking heaven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the implication of this word if is if you don't confess, then the rest of this verse does not apply. If you don't confess, He is not faithful with you and he's not just to forgive you your sins uh, and he's not faithful to cleanse you from unrighteousness if you don't confess. But if you do confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, how does that apply to what happened on the cross to what's happening in your life now? Well, let me explain. The cross purified and cleansed every individual for the option of living a sinless lifestyle or one with less sin than yesterday, gradually getting better in your own life. But the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not allow and open the door for you to choose to live in sin thinking that I'm already forgiven. Because the reality is forgiveness is about a choice you make in your own life. Forgiveness is already done, but whether you choose to forgive is the choice. Forgiveness is already done for all of mankind, but people are going to hell over and over. Now, some people are teaching there's no hell. Hmm. Whatever hell is, there is a hell. And through the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, we get to stay from that and we move into glorious light. When you die, there's one thing's gonna happen. You're either going to heaven or going to hell. you either, what Jesus did on the cross didn't save all of mankind. He gave the option for salvation. I know this is basic, but I wanna go back because sometimes some basic foundational truths are now being ignored in people's lives. And the whole Christian movement, many Christian movements and sects of the movement are getting really twisted in foundational doctrine. And there is fundamentals of Scripture. And we can't change those fundamentals of Scripture. And if those fundamentals make you feel uncomfortable, it's for a reason to get your life back on track. But there's a lot of people changing fundamental doctrines, fundamental truths, I should say. Not doctrines, but fundamental truths. Truths. A doctrine is the interpretation of the Word of God. It's a theology that we come up with. Theos Theosophilia means uh, man's study, man's interpretation of the Word. My theologies have been changing, but the fundamentals of the Word of God, they will, they're set in stone and they will never change. Secondaries of scripture, you can go ahead and have some flexibility on it. Denominationalism, there's a lot of flexibility. Whether you like singing with hymns, whether you let dancing happen or you don't, whether you believe in the fivefold functioning or you don't, whether you believe prophets and apostles are no longer in this moment, they actually won't take you away from salvation. Those are denominational values. My heart and my 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 heart and understanding in this ministry is that we preach the word of God and let the denominational statuses within your heart be subject to change by his word. Does that make sense? I say that we've got people visiting from Windward High Prairie here. No, Windward Peace River, sorry, Windward Peace River. We have people visiting we have also people visiting that were connected uh, with, the, with the Yelm Church, uh, now amazing, connected with another group of people. It's awesome. And so we'll have different, different denominational ideas. If you, ta- if you talk to me, every one of you, we're going to have slightly different denominational ideas. Well, what is Windward's denominational ideas? Right here. The word. That's pretty much it. Yeah, but what about all of the lists, all of this and that? You know what? If you want to sit quietly while worshiping, if you want to stand while worshiping, we're all built on a culture of honor, truth, honor, and integrity. Truth, the word of God, honor amongst each other, and integrity in our own lives. Honor and word, truth, give us the ability to hold each other in integrity, but if you're up here making a big schmoz and a, just being a goof and you're, you're, you're dancing so crazy that you're knocking 15, 20 worshipers out and they're all falling over, not under the power, <laughs> then we're going to come up to you and just say, hey, that's, there's no honor in that. Yeah, but I've got the voice of God. When I dance, the thunders shake. No, what, what happens is when you're dancing, you're hitting everyone in the face and they're all falling over because you're knocking them unconscious is what's happening. Of course, we love dancers. Yeah, Absolutely. But the dance better be unto God and not unto man or woman. Ooh, where'd that all come from? Okay, 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 let's get going here. So if is the main point I'll tell you because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He is already faithful and just to forgive us, but you can't walk into forgiveness till you confess your sins. Do you understand the parallels I'm making here? Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you're screwing up and someone approaches you and says, hey, you know, are you sinning in this area? And you say no, then you haven't confessed the sin and you're really making him a liar by your rejection of truth in your life. It's just a, it's an unbelievable thing if you really think about it. You're all looking at me blank stared, like deer in the headlights right now. Am I making any sense? Look to someone to your left and just say, you know what? This guy's making some sense right now. Look to the right and say, we're still praying for our pastor. So the implication is that if you don't confess, then the rest of the verse will not apply in verse 9. In verse 10, if you're approached and you still don't confess, then it's gone to another level and the word is not in you and you're actually making him a liar. Him, big H. Him. That's a pretty serious consequence. But if you do confess... Then the next verses apply. I just love these next verses. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? (laughs) No one. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? No Can I have a little keys? I'm just not sure where she's sitting, so. Verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I just want to, Look at this for just a minute. For the Christian, God is not looking to destroy or hurt you. God is not looking to condemn you. If you're truly a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're working hard at becoming more sinless in your life, and you're not keeping repeating the same old sin over and over again, He loves you so much that He has given you salvation through forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But the believer may be corrected by his father. I thank you that I'm a son of God. I'm not God. I'm a son of God. I've been adopted into his family. And sometimes he uses the people closest to us around us to help guide us and direct us. I look at Kevin and my relationship. He and I can talk about anything. And you know what? He's a good son. I have good sons in this house. Not because I'm a a father looking for an identity uh, in what I'm doing, not at all. I find more identity in the sons that are rising up and the daughters that are rising up. I get more excited if I don't have to hit the home run anymore because my back hurts when I swing the baseball bat. You know what I'm talking about in a baseball game? Oh, I'm 55. I still dream of the days. Anyone else dream of those days when we actually didn't get worn out, tired, and painful in our body when we did things that we used to do that we shouldn't be doing now? Has anyone ever felt that or is it just me? Come on. Some of you guys put your hands up. You're way too young. If you're feeling that already, you got to start working out, man. Get in shape. I have the reason not to work out, because it hurts. (laughs) I used to say, hey, son, are you coming when I'm skiing? Now I'm saying, son, please wait. Stop. He turns around. Where did dad go? I barely started the run, and I'm (gasps) feel like my parts pounding out of my chest. So I say, uh, usually 99% of the time, I go first on the run. So he sees where I stop. And he stops. He looks at me. I mean, we've gone like literally probably 50 seconds or a minute at the most. Don't, Don't agree with me, son. You're supposed to say, no, it's longer than that. I've watched it go from three minutes to two minutes to one minute to we're probably down to half a minute now. If I'm really giving it skiing, I used to race skiing when I was a kid. So I love to give it. But I love to give it like I used to. We used to do the whole run all the way down and downhill racing. And yeah, my legs were burning and I'm tired. But now I do 30 seconds and I'm done. I'm finished. I'm dying. But you know, we learn these things. We're not the same yesterday, today, and forever, God is. And your theology is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your study and interpretation of the Bible, the Word of God, is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if all the, wor- all the words of God were written into books, this earth couldn't contain the amount of books. So guess what? He's still talking. And if that's against your th- theology, then find revelation within the Word. And if that's against your theology, then... Whatever, you're in the wrong church. But what we don't have is revelation from God that's contrary to his word. If it's contrary to his word, I will guarantee you 150% that you are not hearing God. If this book kills me, Let it kill me. In other words, if I die a martyr in some country or my own country because of this book, then I die. But I don't die. I just breathe my last and I go from glory to glory. If this book puts me in prison because of a left agenda, sinful agendas, I'm going to stand on the book. That's it. I don't go out just to pick fights to pick fights, absolutely not. But if the fight comes my way, I'm gonna stand on truth. At least in jail, I have a captive audience, no one can leave. For the Christian believer, God is not looking to destroy or hurt you. He's not looking to condemn you. We as believers must be corrected by our fathers. <laughs> I have fathers. I've been on the phone with some of them <laughs> over the last week or two. I'm talking the Bill Johnsons, the Chris Volitins. I'm talking. I've been on the phone with them. Not because I have a problem. But in conversation to something else that's going on out there. But you know what, if Papa Bill said, Brent, do this, i do it because I trust him and believe in what he carries and what he lives for, which is the Word of God. But you know how many people want to be fathered, they want to be sons and daughters, but they actually don't know what sonship is? I have so many people say, Brent, would you father me, would you mentor me? But i know beyond a shadow of a doubt what they're saying is would you stand in alignment with me and agree with me no i'm not going to agree with you i'm going to agree with the word of god and if you're preaching the word of god i'll stand in alignment with you and i'll i'll take arrows for you but when you live outside of the word and you start the abusing of of religion of of whatever you start doing, and it's not in the Word of God. I'm still gonna love you as a person, and I'm here as a friend to help you. I will never let you go that way. But I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna fight for your cause if it's not biblical and godly. Does that make sense? We have to desire that if we do something wrong to be corrected. And my prayer, is that if I do do something wrong, it gets caught and corrected or I come, my preference is I come into repentance immediately, not hold it and hope it just goes away, but that I come into correction. I look for that. I have a team around me for that reason. And one of their chief duties is if they see something going awry in me, in my theologies, in my marriage, with my family, one of their chief points is to approach me on it immediately. And if I refuse to listen, I have established this leadership. They can actually pull me from this ministry. But before they do that, they're actually to contact our spiritual apostolic covering as well. And if I still won't listen, then I have set it up that they can pull me out. I pray for the saving of my soul. But you know what that team also does? Is make sure I don't go down those paths first. Because we can't live life on what the outcomes of sin are. We have to live life on the outcome of His kingdom of heaven at hand. We can't live on the fear of what if... We have to live uh, in the fear of the Lord that His truth sets us free. It brings liberty and justice into our lives, into our hearts, into our thoughts, into our mind, into our actions. And then if you're bringing that level of truth in our actions, when there's a reaction negatively against it, it doesn't affect us. What I want to encourage us is to look for greater lives of holiness. It's easy for me to say, as five generations of ministry, masters of divinity, extra studies on top. It's easy for me to say, "Well, I know, I know the word. I'm never going to fall." But if we say we're never gonna fall, that means you're saying you have no sin, then you're a fool. What are you saying, Brent? You mean I have to say that I am gonna fall? No, you have to have a team around you that makes sure you don't fall. You say, well, hold it, it's my own free will to make a choice on what I do or don't do. Oh, it's your free will to make a team around you that has more authority in your life than you do yourself, and that's called wisdom. I believe we're not going to fall. I believe I'm not going to fall. Can I promise you that? No. But I'll tell you what I can promise. I'm in love with God more and more today than I ever have been in my life. I have more of his purity and truth in me than I ever have before. Do I even want to sin? Absolutely not. Do I hate sin? I hate sin. But I can't do it on my own strength. I have an amazing wife of 30 years of marriage. This is a godly woman. She speaks wisdom into my life, sometimes without speaking. She doesn't have to say much, but it usually comes out wise. I have godly children, godly son-in-law. I'm hearing a calling, Samuel, come forth. Some of you don't understand, our first grandbaby is right there in my oldest daughter's womb, and his name is Samuel. Samuel, come forth. Don't bother going to Eli, just come forth now. You know, Her due date, was it yesterday? Yeah, her due date was yesterday, so she's going to have a baby this week. That's another whole level. So what foundation are we raising up for our grandbabies? One that allows, anyone heard this term swingers? I thought it was like an old school type of a dance. But what it's starting to mean is sharing relationships with other relationships. And I just wanna say that is absolutely not biblical. We have to stand for purity and truth of righteousness in our lives. My marriage is sacred, and I will never, ever share that to anybody. And if anyone tries, I've got shotguns. I've got rifles. Very simple. Very simple. Let's have... such strong guidelines around our marriages and around our lives. I do a lot of international travel. I'm in 150,000 miles last year. You know how many hotels I've been in? I was in hotels more than I was in my own house. But you know what? There is no female ever near my hotel room door. There is nothing that I would ever risk to allow this to happen. I have such a boundary put around my wife and myself's marriage and lives. We have accountability with each other and with others. And there's a reason we have that accountability. Some people are like, oh, that's just controlling, Brent, you're just controlling. No, you know what? I remember Billy Graham and I remember his lifestyle. And I remember years ago, my parents had a connection with Billy Graham because Billy Graham helped the Mission Wycliffe we were so, uh, that we grew up in. And I remember one time being in his home way, way back when Franklin and I prayed, played together as a, as a little child. I remember this man that I didn't know the fullness of who he was, but I remember sitting him, on, him sitting me on his lap. And I remember a purity even at a young age. And he protected himself. And he's one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Would you believe that? Because he, he protected himself in, in the sense that he had people with him that went into the hotel rooms before to make sure no one was in there. He, he, just, he had good guidelines. He had good rules of structure around his life and around his marriage. And I want to tell you, a lot of people don't like rules. But if you ever ever been in a country that has no law, I will guarantee you, you don't want to live there. Because you don't know if you're going to get killed. I've been in countries that have next to nothing for law. And I will tell you what, I want to hide out in my hotel room because of the danger. Anyone could pop you just like that. I want to tell you what, let's not lose His law. Now, I'm not talking the old covenant law. Don't get all wrapped up in a a frizzy or a bonnet in your hair or whatever the old expressions were. I'm not talking the law of Old Covenant. I'm talking New Covenant. Well, is it law? Um, Okay, if you don't like the word law, the guidelines. But they're very strongly enforced. One of those guidelines is you either know Him as your Lord and Savior and go to heaven. Or the other guideline is if you don't, you go to hell. To me, that's kind of a rule, kind of sounds like a law. So however you want to word it, just don't word it like guidelines, that guidelines are just here, that help you, kind of direct you. It's kind of like as a two-year-old kid and you just have guidelines. Uh, You know what, We're, we're gonna just mark you, your birth certificate as other. And we're going to give you a fire truck. And we're going to give you a doll. And you choose who you're going to be and who you're going to play with. That's not a guy. That's dumb. I used to race uh, yachts and sailboats years ago. And one of the men on our race boat, that's what he did back in the 90s. He had a, they had a baby girl, and he was so liberal left that, that he literally, back then she had to be written on paper as a girl, birth certificate as a girl. Now you can put other. But he said, I am not going to teach her to play with dolls. I'm giving her 50-50 opportunity to choose who she wants to be. I'm like, whoa, whoa. God has already chosen your identity. And I understand that there are some people that have been born with, with multi, two different perspectives, like two different things in the physical body actually. I understand there's medical things like that. But I wanna tell you what, be who God knows you to be. Be who God chose you to be and celebrate it and enjoy it. I don't have hatred against people. I have hatred against sin, absolutely. The truth will set us free. No matter what you struggle with or don't struggle with, this truth will set you free. You're not going to see me condemning you because of this and that in your life. Not at all. My prayer and my heart and my desire is that we raise up a family that knows the word, believes in the word, this truth that will set us free. Let's all stand. We are completely freed from all the punishment as well as all the guilt of sin. And the power of sin was removed on the cross and resurrection. Sin actually has no more power. Unless you open your heart and mind to it. And then you're giving from your own free will power into that sin. Sin may stand in our way. Sin may agitate us with perpetual warfare. But sin is conquered in every soul that is in union with Jesus Christ. There is no sin which a Christian cannot overcome if he will only rely on God to do it. No lust is too mighty. No sin is too strong to entrench us. We can overcome all things through the power of Jesus Christ. We must believe this as Christians. We can overcome. We are overcomers through Jesus Christ. Sin may kick you. Sin may make you struggle. But sin... Is doomed to death. If I see a demonic realm. I always see condemned across the forehead. Because the demons are condemned. Lucifer is condemned. You and I are called not to be condemned. Christ crucified it. He nailed your condemnation to the cross. Romans 8 verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me, separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on. This is the day of great victory. This is the day to be released of anything that has gotten in our way or held you back. Confess with your mouth. Confess it with your heart. That Jesus Christ is Lord, He's the living Savior. And my prayer for today. Let's put Romans 8:38 and 39 up on the screen. Romans 8:38, and let's say this together. Because if let's say this with meaning, let's say this with true understanding. Let's say this together. For I... Okay, hang on. Say it like you're speaking it to the devil right now. You say it like you're speaking it to any sin in your life, if it's hidden or not. You say it like you're speaking it to all your past pain and past issues and past problems. Because if you and I don't understand forgiveness and forgiveness of the past, then we'll have a hard time understanding how Christ could forgive us. We need to forgive and let go of the things of the past. If you're living in pain and issues of something that someone has said to you, said to you or called you and it's been bringing you into depression, get rid of it in Jesus' name. And how do you do that? Forgive them for they not know not what they do. Maybe forgive them for they don't even know the fullness of what they said. But I will tell you one thing. If they spoke evil or bad things or sin that you're doing in your life and you're actually doing it, <laughs> ask for forgiveness in your own life right now so we don't turn him into the lyre of our heart. Let's say this with meaning. I want to encourage you to say this. I actually believe when the Lord asked me to finish off with these two verses. That freedom was in this house waiting to be released and delivered. One of our prophetic people saw angelic realms already in this place. And it meant to me that there's protection in this house. That there's protection to be Free and free indeed so let's say this as a prayer together but i want you to say it like you actually mean it not oh i'm persuaded i mean like if the devil was standing right in front of you let this be a living testimony in your life let's say it together for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Next verse. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And so, Father, we pray. This is the day that you have made. And in this day, we rejoice and be glad in it. We have enough to rejoice just because it's a beautiful summer day. (laughs) I feel like the Lord's saying, but it's always summer in my presence. It's always light and sun shining in my presence, says the Lord. So, Father, we stand before you, not perfect. We stand before you open. Our hearts are open today. And I pray, Lord God, that we will grab righteousness, holiness, truth, integrity in our lives. That we will become light amongst the darkness. And any darkness that comes close to us In Jesus' name, we rebuke it and we say, get behind me, Satan. You have no right in my life. I thank you, Father, for everyone here and people that are watching on TV right now. I ask you, Lord God, that every day, every hour, every minute, every second, whatever it takes, that we will continually be looking at your light, that we will become shining lights, and we will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will spread the light to this world. And I ask you, Father, strengthen our friendships, strengthen our relationships, strengthen our marriages, strengthen us as parents to guide and direct our children that we will become the living testimonies that they will continue to build on the foundation of your word and everything that we say and do so they can see and do your word. For your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power In the glory forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, amen.